Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm your honky-tonk baby. And I am singing the National Anthem. Welcome to episode 128, Clash of the Champions 28. The rematch? That's, that's the tagline I'm going to make up for. This is a rematch? I don't know. Did I really just say national? National anthem. You did. Shanal. You did say Shanal. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I went there. Hey. Yeah, Clash of the Champions. <laughs> Rematch. Ooh, you know, I'm all about... Plus some other matches. You know, good match. You always get at least, like, a um, Steven Regal match or uh, yes. on, a, on a Clash of Champions. So that's always cool. That's always something to look forward, at least for me anyways. Something to look forward to is my... My Steven Regal yeah, match, your, um, what is it, the, the U.S. US title? Television title. Television TV title. Yeah. It's the same thing, really. Then, yeah. I mean, the U.S. title's on this show as well. Yeah. So. Oftentimes, That's... you're stuck with some shitty matches on Clash, so I'm hoping it's not going to be as terrible, but... But this Clash is the 28th one, obviously. Produced by WCW. It would take place on August 24th, 1994, from the Five Season Center... In Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Cedar Rapids. With an attendance of 4,200 people. And it got a four and a half rating on TBS. Huh? I assume that's big. I don't know a lot about ratings. It's about the day after my 17th birthday. It's the day after your birthday? Yes. You'd had enough Hogan in your childhood that you didn't need any. 1989, so. So yeah, you you weren't pumped. No. <laughs> Understandable. Nope. Mm-hmm. Couldn't care less. But, you know, we, you get to watch it here now. Exactly. Where I can speak how it. I really feel about it. <laughs> yeah. But we are in Iowa. We are. So you get to you get to try someplace new? Hell yeah. It's not Philly. It's not, not yet. Thank God it's not. <laughs> Philly, God. Not this week. Tune in next no. week. <laughs> And then, you know, there's those shows where they like to cross over in WCW, or one of them will go to Philly just to fuck with my menu Oh, yeah, program. a double, double dose of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we are in Iowa. We have not been to Iowa yet, have we? This is our first, or at least my first time. I think so. Sweet. Well, I'm familiar with Iowa. I, I grew up in Nebraska. Iowa's next-door neighbor. And one of the things that I knew right offhand when I found out we were going to Iowa was I'm making... When I know a lot of those Iowans and several other Midwesterns or Midwesterners love a good loose meat sandwich. Growing growing up in Nebraska, I grew up in Lincoln or just outside of Lincoln, and we had an awesome place called Tasty's. It was called Tasty's In and Out, and there is also a location in Sioux City, Iowa. So cross over there, and luckily this is a. Uh, a family favorite, so the recipe has been passed around over and over and over, so everybody has it and can make it. But it's a a loose meat sandwich is kind of similar to a sloppy joe. It's just not so saucy, 
there's no big tomato sauce to it holding all the, the, the stuff together. It's just ground beef that's cooked down with uh, some sauces and spices, but the meat itself is loose and free. Serve it up on a, uh, a cheapo hamburger bun uh, with a little mustard and pickle, and uh, uh, it takes me back to my childhood. I love them. It's good. It's kind of like a, a chili dog minus the dog. In a way. All this time you've asked me not to make Cincinnati chili and I made you... Oh, this is much better. (laughs) I just don't want to put... I just don't want to put the chili on the spaghetti. No. Cincinnati chili just doesn't make any sense. Mm -mm. It's not the worst thing ever, but it's not good enough for it to be a thing, is my opinion on Cincinnati chili. There's no reason. I don't need cinnamon in my chili. Just don't. I mean, I'm not going to knock that because... Again, I grew up in Nebraska, and chili and cinnamon rolls were always together. Oh, yeah. And if I've, you didn't have a cinnamon roll, oftentimes I'd sprinkle a little bit of cinnamon on in, top of it just in, to get uh, that little brain sensation. In middle school, one of the like weekly Don't lunches was like a ch- Frito chili pie with a cinnamon roll. So I know exactly what you're talking about, but I never really, I haven't thought about that in forever. Yeah. Matt's just making faces. Like like, like dipping your french you fries you in your eat, frosty. You I didn't your eat them. You cinnamon roll in your chili. They didn't pour the chili on the cinnamon roll. Mm-mm. That looks offended. Okay. No. Okay. No, it wasn't a chili smothered cinnamon roll. Okay. Unless you... Dipped it. No, it was just like on the. the it was on the. It was on the side. <laughs> okay. It's like you know, go into a barbecue place and they give you a package of Twinkies or whatever. <laughs> Thought I was gonna just have to like quit the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, cinnamon roll was stuffed with chili. I, mean, like, I guess I can always like come a back with pe- peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, I've, I've had never both tried burgers. So. They're good. Yeah, I've I've had peanut butter and pickles on my burger before, so I'm assuming they'll go good together by themselves. Well, while we're enjoying these loose meat sandwiches, and I am. a couple things that would happen right around the same time as Clash of the Champions. Mm-hmm. My so-called life pr- would premiere on ABC the very next evening. Wow. While Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories was ending a three-week run at number one. It only went three weeks. With Stay, I Missed You. Uh, we only a Lisa Loeb song that everybody knows. You yeah. say, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I even saw her doing it on a commercial recently. I don't know, I don't remember what for. Yeah, but as of like a week or two ago, the um, <laughs> what's called life is the show with the girl that looks like Kirk Cobain, right? Claire Danes. Yes, her. Yes. <laughs> I've never heard that description of Claire <laughs> she looks like Kirk Cobain. I mean, as soon as you say it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can <laughs> yeah. see it, but. Uh, I think I didn't realize that that show was that old. Mm-hmm. I also didn't realize it was on ABC. Yep. I do remember it being popular and trying to like watch it later and being like, "Oh, well, this just isn't for me." And in two thousand and whatever, <laughs> like it just was like, "Oh, all right." I thought it was like um, more similar to what's the show, the Judd Apatow show, Freaks and Geeks. Freaks yeah, and I thought it was more like a Freaks and Geeks kind of thing. I mean, kind of, sort of. It is, sort of. It's a coming of age. It's just a different timeline. It's just, yeah, it's also, yeah, it's like not as... Yeah. It's more, Freaks and it's Geeks a, were more 70s. Yeah. My so-called life was 90s. Current. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I assume you watched My So-Called Life. And I watched one some. Of your, uh, I never... I, I need to go back and favorites? watch... I liked it, but, you know, it wasn't on my rotation as much, and then... Because I would assume disappeared from the TV with a, world. There's a uh, Wilson Delgado yeah. plays a young gay man oh, on yeah. the show. It's got Jared Leto on it. So oh really? Do you ever see the Claire Danes movie where uh, 
they get like framed for weed in Thailand and have to stay yes. in prison. <laughs> I love that movie actually. <laughs> it was uh, Broke Down Palace. Uh, yes, Broke Down Palace. Yeah. Anne Hache. I don't. I just remember like I think watching it like on a morning like on HBO. And being like, what is this? <laughs> Who is this for? I don't know if it was good or not. I liked it back then. I'll have yeah. to watch it again sometime. Just to I feel see like it's it. a forgotten movie, but I remembered it because I was like, this is a weird premise. And like even as a kid, being like, this is a weird premise for a movie. Best Claire Danes movie for me, anyways, was Temple Grandin. If you've never seen Temple Grandin, watch it. I don't know. It's on I HBO. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it was one of those HBO movies. It's based oh, it was on like a true a, story. Okay. The Temple Grandin was. Oh, cool. uh, the name that name is familiar. Yeah, she has autism, and she kind of invented a kind of a hugging machine. Oh yeah, um, I have heard that. Yeah, it's for cows it's awesome. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know who that is now. I was like, why is that name familiar? Yeah, I think I heard the name in a song once, uh, and I was like, what is this? And then I looked into it, and I was like, oh, weird, weird and interesting. It's a great movie. I highly recommend it. My so-called life for me, like, I didn't watch it when it came out. But I have probably watched through the series. I have I have it on DVD. Oh, and, you're, you're, a, you're a fan. And, I mean, actually, I didn't have it. My wife okay. had it. But ever since, like, I've been married for 17 years, I've probably watched it, like, four times through. Damn. Since. How long did it go? It, it was it's only like thirteen episodes. Yeah, it's like it just was like a, Freaks it was and Geeks. A, geeks. It was a one season. It was oh, a one maybe season that's why thing. I like tried to watch it because I remember watching Freaks and Geeks and being like, oh, like that was enjoyable, and I thought the ending was very funny. But obviously, they had to find a way for it to end. It's like I guess I'm gonna go follow the Grateful Dead. I'm like, all right, cool, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, I didn't quite connect with my so-called life, but I'll give it another go at some point. 13 episodes, I'll watch anything. I won't watch anything that's 13 episodes, but I'll at least give it a try if I know it's that short. Oh, I watched an entire eight-season series in Been seven days. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow. I can handle 13 episodes. My so-called life and Firefly, they're both one-season, 13-episode sh- shows that, like, if I'm just like, I don't know what to watch. Okay, cool. I'll watch oh, yeah, this yeah. again. I've definitely watched Firefly. I mean... I, I guess I guess for most people it's the office. They just don't want an office episode. I'm like, I'll throw on a Firefly episode or my so called life episode. I mean I'd rather watch both of those things in the office, but that's just me. <laughs> I love the office. <laughs> I love the office, but I'll throw on Shits Creek or Friends or The Challenge or Big Brother Season, whatever, just as background noise. Yeah, pretty much. Well let's start talking about Clash. We open on footage from Bash at the Beach where Hogan is celebrating his title win with Mr. T and Shaq in the ring before cutting to the logo and a remix of promos and match footage. Yeah, we get to hear Ric Flair say, I'm coming three times in a row. And I was like, guys, is this a joke? Yeah, this is this whole opening thing. It's like, what the fuck was up with this? It's like they were trying to be hip, but yeah, they didn't it, know yeah. exactly how to be hip, so they Did just Paul used random this? parts of speeches. Does yeah. WCW know how to yeah. be hip? Come on, this was Easy e in his early days. Pyro starts going off as Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the show, joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Okerlund. They preview the show, and then they tell us that Flair has a surprise for Hulk tonight. And then they send it to the back where we see Austin and Steamboat arguing in the hotline area with Chris Cruz and Mike Tanay. That was the most and I'm like, awkward. oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to have an argument, but I'm going to stand here and I'm going to hold the phone just so everybody can hear us argue, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Anything that gets me to Steamboat Austin is... Uh, yeah. 
I don't get, I don't need any setup. Just throw them in the ring. Very true. We then get the national anthem, and it's sung by Ricky Lynn Gregg. Uh, so I have written here a long hair guy. I just think he couldn't decide on a name. <laughs> uh, if you've never heard of Ricky Lynn Gregg, and most of us haven't, and his hits were called "If I Had a Cheating Heart" and "Can You Feel It." Mm. And we listen to him. He's no Hank Williams Jr. I could feel it. And yeah, yeah uh, listening to him gave me a cheating heart. Also, I, I meant anybody else. <laughs> I meant to say Hank Williams. It's hard. It's hard not to say Junior afterwards because it's oh, yeah. the three thing. But I mean, of course, everyone's bigger. Either Hank Williams one fan. of them. Either one. He's, either one of them. He's, he's better for sure. But you know, we all know uh, Hank Williams is is the man. We then head off to our first match: the Nasty Boys of Jerry Sags and Brian Knobs versus Pretty Wonderful. Pretty Paul Roma and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. The yin and the yang, the nasties and the wonderfuls. I mean, Roma is, feels like he found a, found a nice spot here with uh, Paul. Yes. Just just putting that out there. Paul and Paul. And I guess we should mention, we're going to give away the timeline here a little bit, but we are literally recording this the week after... Mr. Wonderful has passed away. Yeah. yeah. So. R.I.P. Buddy. R.I.P. Mr. Orndorff brought a lot of joy to to all of us. I know. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's uh, people say that he's Hogan's best uh, like opponent. Although I have not gone back and watched those MSG matches. I really need to because um, I've really enjoyed Paul Orndorff, especially um, him coming back to these early '90s WCW and being a real shithead and having great matches. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I can you only know. hope that uh, one day, whenever my time comes, that he's waiting there with the big shovel to smack me up top of the head. With, so. <laughs> but since the last time we've seen the Nasty Boys, they have turned faced as uh, the crowd is chanting for them here. Yeah. Weird. So, that yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's just because they're like, well, Cactus Jack is gone. The Nasty Boys are like the guys, that chubby guys that will take the bump or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. And obviously, Paula's on the other team. And could, could, Mr. Wonder, yeah, could Mr. Wonderful... Yeah, could Mr. Wonderful ever be a, a, a face? It's impossible. Was once upon a time. Much better heel, though, right? Yeah, he turned on Hogan. So the boys get an early advantage with a turnbuckle smash and a double clothesline on Mr. Wonderful. Double forearms on Pretty Paul. More clobbering on Orndorff by Knobs. Sag starts laying it in on Roma when he runs into a big boot. Pretty Paul then goes for a crossbody, only for Sags to catch him and deliver a power slam, only for Mr. Wonderful to break up the pin, and a Pier 6 breaks out. Pier 6. Jerry's stalking Roma around ringside when he walks right into an Orndorff clothesline, followed by Roma posing while Mr. Wonderful smashes Sags' head into the still steps, before clotheslining over the guardrail into the crowd. I mean, Nasty Boys got to go into the crowd. Yeah. They're the faces. Orndorff finally rolls Jerry back into the ring while there is a fan yelling insults at Sags from the front row. Is that the big Hogan guy? The guy in the red or whatever? There's a guy that's like yelling the whole time and I just thought he was a plant and I was waiting for him to like do something because he's just so big. Uh, yeah. Did I recognize him? Here comes the axe... Here comes the 
Smasher. Yeah. He's no longer repo and stuff. He's here to yell at people from the crowd now. <laughs> <laughs> they don't All give right. his. They don't give his character name no. on this show. So yeah, we'll... I did not recognize uh, his face. But it Maybe is because it wasn't. But that up. is Barry Darso. Oh, Barry Darso. He's here to kick your stick and teeth in. Yeah, I mean, it was. It just felt like such an obvious plant. But then I don't remember him doing anything. Yeah, he only does stuff like it literally in the first couple matches. Yeah, but it's just like yelling. Yeah. yeah, it's not like normally. If there's a, a plant, you he would let you. It's like you know, back in the day when Doink was just a clown walking through the audience, <laughs> spraying kids with his flower. Yeah, water his seltzer water flower yeah. or whatever. Roma's in with a body slam and comes off the top rope with an elbow drop, followed by Pretty Wonderful just working over Jerry with elbows and knees. Sag starts to fire up, but ends up stumbling into a kick by Orndorff from the apron, which brings Knobs in which only allows Pretty Wonderful to hit some double-team maneuvers. Drop kick by Pretty Paul for a two-count. Orndorff goes for a pile driver, only for Jerry to counter with a back body drop and make the hot tag. Brian's in with right hands and clothesline on both. Turnbuckle smash on Mr. Wonderful, but Roma is there to save his partner momentarily as Sags is back for more Pier 6 action. Orndorff hits a vertical suplex on Knobs, followed by Pretty Paul coming off the top with a splash, while Jerry then comes off the top with an elbow drop onto Mr. Wonderful and makes the cover, so the ref makes the count for the pin and And the the win. win. Tony mentions that he doesn't know who the legal man was, but I can definitely tell you it wasn't sad. (laughs) As Bobby says, it's a good thing this wasn't for the titles. Yeah. Also, where have the Steiners been? Where are the Steiners? Just asking. I was just thinking about it. I was like, well, you know, we got two, like, pretty good tag teams here. We haven't seen them in a while. And it popped in my mind. Where where are my big boys at? It's been a while since we've seen them. Yeah. Yeah. Probably probably not far away. As soon as you... Probably mostly in Japan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you you think about them, they'll probably show up in the next WCW show. Probably. Hey guys, call the Hulk Hogan hotline. Hey, no thanks. He's got his own hotline. There's eight great options like Meet the Hulk. Nope. Hulk Trivia. No thanks. Hulk Messages. Nope. There's always something new on there. Mm. Also, his hotline costs more. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think it was like $1.49. $1.49. Uh, a minute. And the other one was like $1.49 for the first minute and then 99 cents after that. Yep. And I was like, you son of a bitch. Yep. The kids, ask your parents. That's right. And we're not going to recite the number. Nope. Because we don't remember it. No, it's not that I didn't care. I do, but I'm not going to say it. Oh, you else. remember the Hogan one? Because <laughs> technically, it did not say that that phone number was not true. Was not. I say I remember it. I don't know. He if probably I still do. has it hooked up. I swear it's Hogan. Seven Hulk. Mm-hmm. He's got like um, he's got the like you know old piece of technology, the tape recorder that that answers it or whatever, just sitting in like a Florida. Storage unit with just, like a phone just ringing. I wonder all if he just reads his tweets out of the Hulk messages, <laughs> and then at the very end he always puts HH. He says HH, <laughs> like yes, Hulk. We we know who's mm-hmm. on Twitter. It yeah. says your name at the top. Hey, he's old. Mean Jeans then on the stage, where he introduces Hulk Hogan. Yay. Hogan walks out from a curtain 
when all of a sudden a masked man comes running out. It's the Black Scorpion. Hitting the Hulkster in the back of the leg with a lead pipe. Jeff Galuli. He gets uh, Nancy Kerrigan. Yep. Why? <laughs> Hulk is yelling about his knee with doctors and officials all coming to check on him. Look at Even himself. going as far as doing a stretcher job. The only job Hogan will do. Stretcher job. Yep. <laughs> Meaning tonight's main event is in jeopardy. Oh, no. Heenan says that a producer has told him that they're locking the doors in the back while they investigate who did this dastardly deed. I mean, if we're going to go Clue, I'm saying it's Black Scorpion with the crowbar on the entrance ramp. Tanya, it's... Pretty close. (laughs) Pretty close. (laughs) Eric Bischoff is there, and they actually mention that he's an executive VP, and he's going with Hogan to the hospital. He's doing a pretty good job of looking concerned. He is. I mean, he's his moneymaker. I mean... Yeah, I know. Can't have a... Bum knee. Can't have any more of those cool opening segments without that champion there. So we're headed to our second match. Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat, versus stunning Steve Austin for the WCW United States Championship. I mean, this is all we really want. Just put this at Every the top. Day, just put this at the top. All day. Put it, like, just put this. Forever yeah. Mm-hmm. Who needs Hogan and Flair? Put Steamboat and Austin in that spot. So the DQ rule has been waived. So if Austin were to lose by disqualification, he would lose the belt. Because he is a dirty player in the game. Maybe not not the dirtiest, but he's he's very dirty, even. And as the match gets going, we get split screen, showing Hulk being loaded into an ambulance. You know how much this I'm so upset at the talking about Hogan and split screen stuff through this really great match. Mm -hmm. I don't remember how long long this match is, but at least the first half of it is all just talking about Hogan. Yeah, Yeah, and Steamboat and Austin Austin are just killing it. They're just having a fucking classic match, and it's not getting any attention from the commentary. Nope. Bullshit. So the two men are back and forth with mat work while Tony and Bobby ask Ron, a stagehand, what happened to Hogan. And I guess they don't realize or they forget that he's not mic'd up at all. So you can't, you can barely hear him while the match is still going with a sequence of roll ups between the two men for near falls. Ron really doesn't say much of anything. No. Like, he has no more information than what we already have seen. Yeah. So it's a real pointless, pointless yes. spot. Uh, I mean, also, it just happened. Everybody knows. <laughs> and uh, I will, one positive thing I will say about this is the attack was done well with the way that all the light behind it. So you could just see the barely see the shadowy figure, but let's not talk about that. A chop fest breaks out in the ring before Ricky telegraphs a back body drop. So Stunning Steve kicks him away. But the dragon comes back with multiple drop kicks, only to run into a back elbow, followed by Austin running into a power slam. We cut back to split screen to see the ambulance driving down the street. A steamboat gets a two count. Oh my goodness, the ambulance is driving down the road. What would we have done had we not seen that? After another sequence of two counts is traded, Ricky is working the arm when stunning Steve breaks free by tossing the dragon to the floor. Austin follows out but is chased around ringside to be double-chopped before they head back in to exchange sleepers. But Steve gets the best of it with a jawbreaker. 
Tony tells us that Sting has boarded a flight from Chicago to take Hulk's spot in the main event. While Steamboat avoids a corner charge, sending Austin's shoulder first into a post. Posted. Following up with a top rope flying judo chop for a two count. That fan, as we now know as Barry Darso, is now barking at Ricky while stunning Steve starts slapping Ricky away. Going to a chin lock, which the dragon escapes and hits a short arm clothesline. Going for a running splash, but Austin gets his knees up and makes a cover for two. Steve with a second rope knee drop, vertical suplex for a near fall, tries for another suplex, which is blocked, and Steamboat places Austin on the top rope for a superplex. Stunning Steve then knocks Ricky off the ropes with a massive chop across the chest, but the dragon comes right back with right hands and chops of his own, only for Austin to headbutt Steamboat back down to the mat. Steve looks to go for a top rope maneuver when Ricky is back up to knock him down, crotching Austin, with the dragon making fun of him and tries for the superplex one more time. It was nice to see, you know, Ricky mock mock somebody. Show a little personality. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. But this superplex is blocked, but then Ricky is front suplexed down to the mat. A real pancake. Stunning Steve then comes off the top rope with a double axe handle. But Steamboat catches him in the gut on the way down. And Ricky heads up top, coming off with a flying body press, only for Austin to sidestep him and slam the dragon face first into the mat. Steamboat starts firing up after multiple slaps from Stunning Steve. He's pissed. Laying it in with rights, lefts, double chops, a spine buster. I know, it was great. Austin's running away to the corner, going up the ropes. So Ricky just places him on his shoulders for an electric chair drop for a two count. Pretty cool stuff. The dragon turns the clocks back to WrestleMania 3 with a multitude of pins, all for near falls. When stunning Steve back body drops Steamboat over the ropes, but Ricky holds on. Austin then realizes that if the dragon hits the floor, it's a disqualification. So he turns around to help Steamboat back into the ring, only for Ricky to skin the cat flip over him, and roll up Steve for the pin. And, and no! Austin kicks out. Stunning Steve then goes for a body slam, but an inside cradle by the dragon for the pin. And, and the, the win. win. And, and new! I mean, what a finish. It was a great finish. Yeah, it's great. It's like, oh, cool. The story was well told, even though they wasted half of it talking about uh, Hogan, like we knew what was going on, and why that, like you understood why that happened. Yep, I couldn't remember Steamboat going over in this match, so it was exciting. Yes, I wasn't expecting him to, but with it's weird with Steamboat, you never know how long he's sticking around, so you never know when he's going to pick up a win. Which is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, now so for the sad news. <laughs> this is Steamboat's I always do last. This televised match for 15 years. Another when, boat on the way? Another baby boat on the way? What's going on? When Austin chopped him off the top rope and he landed on his... It looked like he landed on his butt, basically. Mm-hmm. Chipped his tailbone. He did something Some. to his back. Ugh. And it contributed to back problems. He wrestled on the house circuit for like the next month or so. 
And then, like, one of his, literally one of his last places he ever wrestled was here in Oklahoma City. Really? Was it just a house show? At a house show. But by the time the next pay-per-view comes around, he, he's been forced to retire, basically. Oh, my and, God. and at least it went out on a good match. But damn, it's still, like, it's still, uh, you know, went out as a champion, I guess. And I will mention... That is why we're watching this Clash of the Twenty Clash Twenty Eight. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, you still have to do <laughs> Hogan Flair too. I'm not gonna lie. About three quarters of the way through this show, I was asking myself, "Why the fuck are we watching this show?" <laughs> well, I mean, that match was great. <laughs> yeah. But we have to. Steamboat's one of our favorites. Oh yeah. We Austin, have to. We have yeah, to watch his like, last match. We're all about some <laughs> WCW Austin at the moment. Yes. He's just hasn't had a bad match in the last like two years. But this is. I, I'll also. Spoiler alert, this is the last time the U.S. belt has any significance, really, for, a about, decade. <laughs> for about three or four years. Because okay. they just start putting it on people for no good reason. Yep. Yeah, it just this. becomes, yeah, loses all its prestige. It's like goes from Steamboat to, oh, I don't know, um, who could we put it on that would stink? Tony, Bobby, and Mean Gene then talk about the Hogan situation. Oh, wait. Didn't they just talk about the Hogan situation? <laughs> yeah, the Hogan situation is a big deal, buddy. He just got his knee busted open. They send us to a report from Eric Bischoff at the hospital where Hulk is being taken into the emergency room with Jimmy Hart and Brother Brutai at his side. Eric doesn't really give us any info that we don't already know, but... This is the first time we have seen Bischoff purposely on camera since Starcade 93, all the way back in episode 107. Okerlund then says he's going to talk to Nick Bockwinkle in a few minutes to find out what they're going to do. I love Bobby Heenan's shit-eating grin. Yeah. Tony then sends us to a new Honky Tonk Man music video. This has hot new talent, like... Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, new, hot. <laughs> we see a man walk out to his mailbox when the Honky Tonk Man drives up in a pink Cadillac to ask how to get to the show. Hey, I know you. The man then asks the camera, is that who I thought it was? I think he's wearing a WCW hat, which is pretty cool. Honky Tonk Man then starts singing a song with poodle skirt girls hanging about. It's basically the same shtick. That we haven't seen since Survivor Series 1990, episode 50. Could have stayed there. Um, the video is Guys, wildly... It's four years since we've seen him, and he's a new talent for W. <sighs> like, actually, I was on Cage Match. New he and really talent? hasn't wrestled since he left the WWE well, or WWF at this He's point. not wrestling here either. <laughs> not yet. I was just like... Not coming up with new songs what? either. He went from singing the, a song about the, the honky tonk it's man the same to singing honky tonk baby. Yeah, n- now, yeah, they just instead of man, it says baby. Because <laughs> it's Jimmy Hart. He just recycles songs. Yeah. The um, video is so badly done. It's just like, like a zoom, in, like zoomed in on honky tonk's face, and most of the time, like it's only like him out, like out of frame. So it'll be like the back of his head for a second. It's like quick cuts. Yeah. It's it's like horrendous. he's in the middle of an interview. But he's not actually talking, or his voice isn't coming through. It's really the music bad. is playing. Yeah. Um, I, I really wish they would uh, have thrown me some sherry in there as as old Peggy Sue or Peggy Lee. Whatever Anything at all? Like it's like the laziest music video possible. It's really bad. Uh, like, well, I mean, they put all their effort into that opening video, though. He should so. have been like standing on the hood of the car, like with the girl standing on like behind him or something. Something cool. You had that big pink Cadillac. Mm-hmm. 
you borrowed it from Diamond Dallas Page, probably. <laughs> mean Gene then interviews Nick Bockwinkle, and the commish hasn't heard any more info from the hospital. But the nature of the contract for the main event means that if Hogan can't make it to the ring, he would have to forfeit the title to Flair. Oh my goodness. So how many of us were going, oh, please don't make it. Please don't make it back. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He said there was a snap in his knee, but of course, you know. So what does Hogan like to do more than uh, sell being hurt only to no-sell absolutely everything, uh, big boot, or clothesline, big boot, leg drop, bleh. Tony then sends us to some footage and we see Dusty Rhodes in the ring with Dustin Rhodes saying he neglected Dustin throughout his life while wrestling and even when he moved more into corporate roles and acting on Burke's Law Did you ever see that show? No, I tried to Google it and couldn't even find it I don't think it ever made it to I I don't think it made it past the pilot season Okay but I never... It's lost to time, kind of like um, Homeboys in Outer Space, which I look for every six months. I, for, I forgot my... Burke's Law. Yeah, I forgot that my nickname was going to be uh, Chicken Thief, because Dusty Rhodes says Chicken Thieves. Oh, I'm like, That's good. <laughs> Dusty starts running down the stud stable, and he is here to help his son get revenge. I know. I was like, I'm not crying, because you know the... Like, we know that it's true that Dustin was kind of neglected by uh, his father when he went and, you know, had a second kid, and he really wasn't there for uh, Dustin. So, like, this one kind of got to me just because I, I know that that's true. <laughs> and you and even Dustin, it's like, oh, man, a man that we know is pretty quick to cry. <laughs> if you've seen any uh, Dustin Rhodes interviews. But Dusty doesn't need a handshake from his son. He needs a hug and a kiss to seal the deal. Yep. In the South, we kiss. <laughs> I never had a dad, so I don't know, I don't know these rules. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I don't have any memory of my dad uh, giving me a kiss. I'm sure it was because he, if he did it, I was a very small child. Yeah. You know, diapers. You kiss your kid on the head yeah. when you, they can wipe their own ass. I don't know. <laughs> Grandma gives you a kiss on the cheek. That's fine. So we're headed to our third match. The stud stable of Terry Funk and Bunkhouse Buck. Bunkhouse Buck having a hell of a fucking run here. Just saying. With Colonel Robert Parker and Ming versus the natural Dustin Rhodes and the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Baby. So the last time we saw Dusty in a match was also his last match. So he hasn't wrestled since the last time we saw him. Was it in Japan? It was in Japan, all the way on WCW New Japan Super Show number one. Mm, dang. Episode 55. Oh, I guess that that was, I didn't realize that was that long ago. But uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of did the same thing here. It's like, oh, well, go to Japan, get you a nice payday, have a tag team with your uh, son who can work his ass off, your fat ass and go in there and drop some bows. Yep. And everybody's going to love it. And you don't have to wear polka dots. Hmm. <laughs> So the roads hit the ring and a brawl breaks out with multiple elbows from them to clear the ring. Everything finally settles down where Dustin avoids a monkey flip from Buck and starts stomping away, but gets cornered by the stud stable with Funk holding the natural. Bunkhouse Buck goes for the clothesline, which Dustin avoids, sending Terry out to the floor. The natural follows with a clothesline of his own to send Buck over to the floor as well. 
Funk's back in the ring to receive an atomic drop from Dustin, followed by an atomic drop on Buckhouse Buck as well, before tagging in the dream. Dusty delivers bionic elbows to Buck, taunts Terry, which allows Buck to take the dream to a corner, sending him across the ring, but Dustin leaps across the turnbuckle to take the blow. Aw, for his dad. It's really nice. That's the, uh, like, midnight <laughs> midnight spot. Yeah. I also love that Dusty comes in all full wiggle, but he makes sure to look at his fist, like, tease, the, tease the fist, <laughs> look at his fist, and then do the atomic elbow. You know, the man, yeah, loves... Dusty appreciates the help from his son and turns back to hit multiple bionic elbows and a double bionic elbow on the stud stable. Dustin's back in to stomp away, hitting a power slam on Bunkhouse Buck. Funk distracts the ref, which allows Buck to hit a cowboy boot to the head of the natural. Stud stables working over Dustin, false tag spot as the ref is distracted. But the stable has some miscommunication as Buck hits a top rope boot shot across Terry's head, which leads to the hot tag. Dusty's in with a double noggin knocker, while Arn Anderson has come to the ring to run the natural into the ring post, before tripping up the dream. The stable starts working over Dusty's arm, but after a bunkhouse buck kick to the head, the dream dives to the corner for another hot tag. Dustin in with leaping lariats to everybody, Dusty's back with bionic elbows on the stablemates, while the natural knocks the colonel off the apron before hitting a bulldog on Buck, making the cover for the pin, and no! Double A breaks it up for the disqualification. Post-match, Anderson hits a DDT on Dustin, turns, and there is Dusty who delivers a bionic elbow to knock him out of the ring, who then turns... And there is Ming. The Dream looks to hit him with her right hand, an elbow, but decides to go to the floor and grab a chair, smashing it over the head of Ming to no effect. Because, you know, he's a mm-hmm. island bad. Yeah, he's an island. He's Islander. Yeah, he's from bad island dude, boy. baby. Ming with Mongolian chops and applies a nerve hold when security hits the ring, but gets beat down by Ming as well. More security finally hits the ring to finally break up the madness. Who's Frankie Lancaster? I remember them saying that name. I know, I wrote it down. I wrote down Frankie Lancaster. I'm like, why did I write that down and who is that? (laughs) Whatever. Mm. I assume he's an official. Maybe he's one of of the security guards? I don't know. Maybe. They said his full name, so I figured maybe it meant something. Was he the guy that got beat up at first by me? Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah, he, I, think yeah he, I think he's just one of the producers. Okay, yeah, he comes in just to get hit by Ming American before everybody else comes in to pull for the pull. Wrestler. Maybe he's just the job guy that was on the dark match or something. So they're like, oh, Frankie Lancaster's in. <laughs> he's an extra in the back. Go Pretty do much. this. Mm-hmm. He, put the, he put the ring together. It looks like he could be like Warrior's brother, like old man Warrior. He's got a face. Yeah. The face of a mechanic. <laughs> he's got traps. Tony sends it to Eric Bischoff again at the hospital, and Eric interviews Hogan's attorney, Henry Holmes. Hulk is in x-ray, and there is concern, and Hogan has been advised to just relinquish the title. You can't fight. Holmes has gotten guarantees from the powers that be that Hulk will get a shot at the title once he is healthy, but Hogan is determined to make it back to wrestle. We have all 
tried to talk sense into him. He won't listen, as uh, you know, his buddies, Hart and Brood Eye, inform us. Mean Gene is then on the stage, and he brings out Ric Flair and Sensuous Sherry. And Flair says he has two issues. First, Hogan's mishap is not his problem. And second of all, Bockwinkle will, says they will just hand me the title. Wrong! Hulk needs to walk that aisle and hand me the championship and say that I am the greatest of all time. Sherry chimes in that she came here to dance on Hogan's grave. Passionately. And then after a commercial, Okerlund is informed by Bischoff that Hulk is on his way back to the arena. Walking. <laughs> of course. A fucking course. Because that's what you do when you got a fucked up knee. You yeah. walk back from the hospital to the arena. Do you think he, sold, of, do you think he sold the knee on the cab. whole walk? <laughs> Hope? Like, so? He's gonna be He loves to um he loves to sell until he doesn't. You probably arrived <laughs> in a limo. Just call your limo driver, dude. But hey, uh, Mean Gene then also reminds us to call the hotline and talk to the stud stable. Hmm. No thanks. I mean that'd be an interesting phone call with Terry Funk. Yeah. Why? We're gonna talk to any of them. Why call Terry when you can call Michael? You. Oh me. <laughs> no, no, call Terry. We then go to our fourth match. Lord Steven Regal with Sir William versus Antonio Inoki. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, they set it up. I just didn't really think it was going to happen. Not that quick. So Regal attacks right as Antonio hits the ring, knocking him back down to the floor. And the camera crew fucked up big time by not catching the first few swings that were thrown. You got Antonio Inoki stepping into your ring, and you're going to point the camera at some redneck in the audience that's making absolutely no expression at all, like they care whatsoever. That bugged the hell out of me. Once in the ring, Inoki with some jabs and kicks as Tony butchers the name Ricky Dozen. (laughs) But Lord Steven comes back with European uppercuts. I felt like they were trying for a pseudo-shoot-fight feel here as they continue to roll around with headlocks and chokes traded between the two. Oh yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's uh, Anoki in here being like, well, you know some wrestling moves. We're just going to roll around for a while. Is that cool with you? That's what we're about to talk about. (laughs) Regal with a headbutt and some kicks to gain control, kicking Anoki almost onto the announcer's table. Back to more holds when they cut away to split screen. To show Hulk has arrived back at the arena. I hate to say it, I'm not as upset about it this time. Limping his way into the locker room. I mean, that's a quick walk, though, if he literally walked. Oh, yeah. The hospital's I mean, next he door. walked back from the it, hospital. It, it took, it, it the ambulance it took, took an entire match for the ambulance to get to the hospital. Yeah. He walked back in the matter of, like, four minutes here. And Long strides. Oh, this, high, this, this hospital in Iowa, they got a... Teach the world, apparently, because they got him checked in, checked out, <laughs> right? looked at, everything. Yeah. Probably, probably drained the knee of fluid. X-rays that quick? Lord Steven and Antonio trading blows when Anoki takes Regal down with a chokehold as Nick Bockwinkle makes his way to the announce table. Nick tells us that Hogan is back, and everyone keeps telling him not to wrestle, but Hulk is stubborn, and he is here to wrestle. Back body drop by Antonio before locking on a sleeper, taking Lord Steven down to the mat, where he escapes with knees to the head. Regal then hits a butterfly suplex for a two count. 
more kicks and European uppercuts. Bononoke counters with a choke sleeper for the submission and the win. Hmm. I didn't ever think that I would say that an Antonio Inoki Lord Steven Regal match would be the most boring thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It was the worst Steven Regal match we've seen, and we haven't seen any bad Steven Regal matches. I don't think we've this seen wasn't any good. bad Inoki matches. No, we haven't. We've seen a lot less Inoki matches, but this um, stunk on ice. And the crowd was not into it at no. all. No. I mean, there were some Japanese people in the arena that were pumped to see Antonio Inoki. And I'm sure there were some, you know, tape traders there that might have been excited to see Antonio Noki, but like, all in all, they didn't leave pumped on this one. So then we're headed to our fifth match. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, with Sensuous Sherry, versus Hulk Hogan, with Jimmy Hart. And a bad knee. For the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Michael Buffer says those famous words to set the stage. But Flair then takes the mic and starts yelling at Hulk to just bring him the title. Bring it now. Hogan comes out limping with his left knee wrapped. Oh, they, they let American Maid play for a little while. You gotta milk, gotta milk it. As he gets in the ring, he says to Hart, he thinks I'm just gonna hand him the belt before just lunging at Nate. He's laying it in with right hands, ripping the robe off the nature boy. But Flair comes back with chops, only for the Hulkster to no-sell them. Hogan sends Nate to the corner for a Flair flip out to the floor. But the nature boy drags Hulk out for more no-sold chops. Followed by the Hulkster grabbing a fan's jacket to choke Flair and running headfirst into the ring post. Posted. We've got eye rakes. We've got choking with a garment. I mean, granted, it is like a grudge match thing now because he assumes that flair had something to do with getting his knee busted but so it's like justified but we've seen hogan do this i guess every hogan match is a grudge match (laughs) that's why he can do bite people stupid idiot nate just smashed against the guardrail before being tossed back into the ring where hogan continues to use the jacket to choke the nature boy flair with a rake of the eyes a snapmare and heads up top only to be press slammed off to the mat before delivering multiple clotheslines and right fists that send Nate tumbling back out to the floor. They brawl down the aisle before the nature boy is run into the ring post again. Posted. Hulk grabs a chair only for Flair to move out of the way and get back into the ring. As Hogan rolls back in, Nate takes control with a vertical suplex, but the Hulkster pops right back up. I know, it's a stalling suplex too. Big, long motherfucker. But he is still limping. So lead pipes must be his kryptonite. Hogan clothesline, multiple elbow drops, closed fists to the cranium, and another flare flip, this time to the apron, only for another Hulkster clothesline to knock him out to the floor. Hogan follows out, only for the nature boy to beg off, but he does rake the eyes and tries to smash his head against the guardrail, only to be blocked when the old lady starts swinging her cane at them. (laughs) She, I, I think Hogan tried to grab it or whatever. I think he maybe realized it was uh, some old lady that was a little that that thought it was um, thought wrestling was still a shoot. She remembered going to uh, like NWA or you know AWA shows like decades ago. She's probably seen Harley Race wrestle a few times. Oh yeah, <laughs> and she probably tried to hit him with a cane too. Flair escapes with Hulk stalking after him around ringside with the championship belt in hand. 
but they get back in the ring where Nate chop blocks the bad knee and starts stomping away on it. Bring back the meat wagon. The nature boy distracts the ref long enough for Sherry to jump in the ring to hit a jumping leg drop across the little hulksters before Flair goes for the figure four, only to be kicked away. Nate works the legs some more with a running knee drop and chop blocks to send Hogan out to the floor. Nature Boy follows out and begins to tear away the bandage on the leg before wrapping his knee around a guardrail. Hell yeah. Back in the ring, the leg work continues until Flair locks on that figure four in the middle of the ring. Hogan is fading, but the crowd wakes him up and he begins to hulk up. He powers out and escapes with an eye rake. <laughs> Nate continues stomping away on the knee while Hogan is walking around the ring until we get the wagging finger, Gross. right hands, big boots, <laughs> leg drop, but no cover because of the pain. Uh, oh my gosh, I mean, he had to do the leg drop. See, I was trying to remember. Which leg does he typically use he, for the leg drop? He leg dropped with the right leg, but he still lands... On the left leg. True. Yeah. I can't say how many eye rakes were in this. I know there was, because the I wrote down like every one, and you skipped some of them, but there's, I don't know if I've seen Hogan spam this many eye rakes. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but it's wild. Okay. You gotta rake your way through the pain. <laughs> there was also, he took him to Back Rake City, which I love back rakes no matter how stupid they are, and Hogan loves to do them. Nature Boy is up first applies the figure four once again and it looks like the Hulkster is about to give up but stops the ref and rolls it over to reverse the hold with the two men in the ropes. Sherry then jumps up on the apron which brings Jimmy Hart over to pull her down and the ref goes to check on them. Sensuous Sherry then runs over and spikes Hogan's knee with her high heel Hell yeah! causing the break of the figure four and Hulk falls out to the floor. He's in so much pain that he doesn't make it back into the ring by the 10 count. Bum, bum, bum. So Flair wins once again. by count out. Nah, nah, not once again. <laughs> Post-match, Nate celebrates with the belt, only for Hogan to come back into the ring and beat the Nature Boy down. All of a sudden, the masked man comes running down to the ring and goes after the knee again allowing Flair to come off the top rope with a knee drop on that bad knee. Get him. Nate locks on the figure four while Sherry is kicking him as the masked man leaves to the back. All of a sudden, Sting rolls into the ring to make the save. And I'm like... All the way from Chi-Town. Masked man runs down the aisle. Sting's running... Mm -hmm. Did they just run past each other and mm -hmm. not... Sting just decide, ah... He, he, he's not in the ring Maybe anymore. Sting didn't realize that that was uh, the guy that did the damage. Maybe he thought it was the masked assassin. Well, also what it could have been is there could have been like, we only have 30 seconds of TV time left. You only brought pick one to brawl with. We gotta get Sting. Yeah. yeah. But Sting Wrap rolls into the ring to make the save, clearing the ring, and the nature boy leaves to the back with the belt. Mm -hmm. The Hulkster makes it back to his feet and keeps asking for his title and then limps his way to the back with the help of trainers and Sting. But not before grabbing a planted sign that says Hulk rules. It's too professional. Yeah. Tony and Bobby recap the match with some replays, and they show Hogan getting back into the ambulance to go to the hospital again. 
and the brain mentions he's headed there as well to find out what's going on, and he'll have an update on the hotline. Shivani then says his goodbyes, and we fade to black. Fun note, Mm -hmm. the masked man, I can tell you who it was, it's not who it is in the storyline. Oh, okay. So you can tell me who it actually was, not who it is in kayfabe. Did you notice... Or did you think you know who it was? No, I don't get it that good of a look. It was Arn Anderson. Yep. Okay. Was under the mask. I remember it being a taller, not as stocky man. So I don't even remember what the guy looked like. <laughs> even in well, he was dressed in all black and black is. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as I said, it's not Arn Anderson as the masked man. No. Yeah, yeah. He just played the role for this show, kind of like how he played the role for Black Scorpion at one point. Yes. When. When it definitely wasn't him. No, no. I guess he just looks good under a mask. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. And Arn seems like a motherfucking team player. Oh, yeah. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts of Clash 28? There was a banger on here. And it wasn't just the pipe on Hogan's knee. No. I'm, I'm glad we watched the show. Uh, there was... The Hogan flair, like, what they're... When they're, they interact well together, but it's just like, we're kind of tired of Hogan, especially with WCW getting, getting good, and then like, he comes in here and fucks it all up for our personal enjoyment. As much as I wish he wasn't there, this is done well, I guess? Conflicted feelings. But I mean, Steamboat Austin. I think the lead up to the main event is actually really well done. Oh yeah, I think it's done other well. than other than the announcers basically talking over other matches. Like that was the worst part about the Steamboat Austin is that like half the ma- like we said half the match is them talking about Hogan and it's like you've shown us all this you're not giving us any more information that we yeah. haven't already seen. Like let's focus on what's happening here. You've got like, like your two workhorse if- top like top tier talents that are like your top of your mid card you yeah. know what i mean like and they're about to tear the house down and you're not even you're just a top. there's you got other other matches you got time in between to talk about this i don't know time between the matches i mean i, I you don't can mi- even say it say i don't it, mind yeah. the split screens cut into the split screens to show the ambulance him being loaded into the ambulance the ambulance arriving at the hospital yeah that doesn't but just bother keep me, repeating yourself but you just keep talking the same points over and over again over a match that is really really good yeah the follow-through though is atrocious we can already see politics being played as this match really makes flair look like a dumbass mm-hmm. yeah absolutely hogan had his knee taken out and he's limping around. Flair, what does Flair do? The figure four. Yeah, they buried the figure four they in their buried, second match. I mean, if Flair is not going to beat Hogan when he has a hurt leg. Lead pipe. Exactly. It's not, it's not like they stomped on it. It was a lead pipe. Yeah. yeah. Then, and this, like, did the Nancy Kerrigan thing just happen? It happened yeah. earlier in the year. Okay, yeah, like that's what I meant. Like it was, it was it, that was what they were going for. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was. I mean, obvious, obvious. They didn't, and I just wasn't sure, like how close it had happened or whatever. But you know, anytime somebody gets hit in the knee with a fucking pipe, that's what that's where that comes from. But at this point, like we know it's Ric Flair, we know it's Hulk Hogan, but if you can't beat a guy with a hurt leg and you are 
the guy who hurts the leg to then win matches. And you're an 11-time fucking champion. Like, to me, this feels like a complete burial of Flair. And and the thing is, is Flair... You're not like, gonna, if you're not going to beat him here, you're not going to beat him. And Flair plays along really well throughout this whole thing. Like, he's given it Flair his all. Flair does a great job. And the, but, but just the, just book, like, the yeah, booking yeah, of the match... It stinks. Is no, makes no sense. It would have made more sense, and this is this is not because we hate Hulk Hogan, or I'm not going to even say <laughs> it's hate. Not only because yeah, not because we're we get we're we're down on him. We're yeah, the worn booking, out. The booking would have made more sense to have Flair win the belt back here, because then you could have set up a third match with Hulk, which. Spoiler alert, they do have a third match. But after you've beaten him twice here, and this time basically showing that What's Flair can't do it. Yeah, it's, exactly. just, it's just an excuse for Hogan to beat him clean again but and be pissed off from the knee. Exactly. Like, and it's like, I couldn't believe that Flair won without getting the belt. Like, that's, like, that's not how wrestling is supposed to work. That's just not how you book wrestling in compelling stories. I mean, and th- that, that's the only reason why they probably had a third match is because technically Flair won. Yeah, but that's not but... that's not how he's supposed to win. Like, Flair knows this. Hogan doesn't fucking know anything. And if he does, he doesn't care. But, like, Ric Flair knows how wrestling's been booked. Like, he's been doing this shit for fucking 20 years at this point. He was booking the last few shows that we loved. Yeah. Exactly. He knows wrestling and cares about it and understands the psychology and is a fucking team player. Somebody... Is not. And never has been. Shane, never gracious be. with your thoughts. I'm sorry that I jumped in there. Yeah, you're good. I was heated. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. I mean, overall, the show, it was mostly background noise for me. Yeah, I, I could have easily done anything else while the show was playing, with the exception of stopping to watch the, 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 the wrestling match. match. Yeah. You know, and to stare at the... What the hell is happening here with Anoki and Regal? Because I was expecting this. I was a head scratcher, brother. Yeah, I was expecting you know the way it started off hot, so I thought they're gonna go into this kick-ass fight. And yeah. Then it just was weird. Yeah. And it had... was just filler on the screen because they needed more time to talk about Hogan. Maybe they were just trying to do like a a send up to like a fifties like three hour. I mean, gotch I think match. If you, actually, if you were to <laughs> go back and watch some Anoki matches, uh, yeah. this would probably stand up to most Anoki matches. That's probably what he did. Yeah, we all but know Anoki we're is in fucking thing. Iowa. Yeah, no one, no one in Iowa, Understands other than maybe this. like the four guys in the front row, yeah, like have any clue what you're doing here. Most of us just see it as you guys you are rolling around. You also didn't like talk about it as like a, um, like I guess you can't call it a shoot fight because. That would be silly at this point in Great. time, and it's always silly to call any wrestling thing that. Like the same reason the brawl for all is dumb. Yeah, I don't know. It was uh, kind of a bummer because I was excited, and then I was quickly, like, like I said, just put a big question mark over my head. I was like, what am I even looking at? Yeah, I could have easily just watched only the the Austin and Steamboat match and been okay. Yeah, for sure. The rest of the show was just filler, mostly annoying. Lots of trash the in there. Hogan Flair stuff is feels just like important because it happened and it is frustrating as it is. Like, I feel like you should you should probably probably watch it. And the tag match was not bad, but it was not anything to write home about. It was just fine. 
Uh, maybe I'm harder on it. I don't know. I like I like to. Roma's getting comfortable, and I am enjoying. The show yeah. got over, and my words that I said as it ended were, "Thank God this was boring as fuck." So, we watched stuff that's a lot more oh, boring. Uh, yeah, for we sure. But this is not stuff. this is not a uh, top tier clash. Yeah. yeah. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So give me some of those best moments. The finish of the steamboat and uh, yeah, Austin that, match, all of their interactions, like the whole match, Austin, like these guys just nailed it against Austin each other. realizing that if steamboat falls off the ropes, yeah, and it's a disqual, and he, so he turns around like, oh shit, yeah, like, he sells I gotta it. So you were know what? So you know what? Like, so you remember what's going on and, too? And also, I don't, the brain is ye- literally yelling. Just let go of the ropes, uh, Ricky. Yeah. Because <laughs> he realizes it as well. Yeah. It's smart. Like, the commentator's smart. Steve Austin's smart. I mean, you got two very intelligent guys that are incredible at working and are really good at working together and have. So, like, this is smooth as butter. Like, there's nothing nothing to complain about in that match. Actually, I wonder if Steamboat had already told Austin, like, hey, my back is, like, not feeling I don't know if I'm gonna be able to skin the cat or not so you might so literally it might have been <laughs> more that, if that, that was moment an, if that was an audible that moment oh may have like him be completely an, an accident because Austin's realizing that oh he's not gonna be able to skin the cat on his own so I need to get over there and help him <laughs> that would be incredible if that was that was the audible and Steve Austin still had it in him to perform that with his face yeah. uh that would be great and I'm sure that he would know and remember that because if you're Steve Austin. You remember when you worked with Ricky Steamboat, and vice versa. Like I said, I think the masked man going after the knee, like that stuff, I think is good television, mm-hmm. and, it, and it tells the story. They they got they got Act One and Two. I like co- the angle. Correct. The finish is dumb. They got Act One and Two correct. Yeah, yeah. On this on that storyline, unfortunately, they didn't land the end of Act Two. Act three was bullshit. <laughs> oh, Act three in that uh, I was yeah. I was talking about like Act one being the first match, but yeah, as far as this show, like this the show, three acts of the of the of angle. Story oh yeah, yeah, they they botched the uh, botched the ending, and you know, it wasn't up to then. It's like ah, oh, that's not good for me, brother. Anything? Well, it wasn't good for us either, brother. Anything else good that you guys? I didn't hate the tag match, but it wasn't necessary. Which tag match are you referring to? Oh, the um, pretty wonderful and the nasties. See, I, I enjoyed the Rhodes. Oh, I totally. I mean, it's always it's always I totally fun to even see forgot Dusty. about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I just love Dusty. I like, like he's Dusty's just, little interaction with Ming. Yeah, he's Dusty's just so lovable. I like the promo uh, that him and Dustin did in the ring. So yeah, and Dustin's always great. I just at this point, Bunkhouse Buck. It's like it's been like a year of this angle, and it's like, well, was it, can it just end? I would like to see Dustin do something else, and I guess Dustin. Is gonna well. You said it. The U.S. heavy is gonna go basically in the trash. But the right thing to do here would be throw Austin back at the U.S. heavy belt and start a program with uh, him and Austin, since Steamboat is gonna be out, and then go from there. Well, a lot of those guys. Austin and have that flair, Austin. A lot of those guys won't be around very much longer. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I I kind of assumed that when you when you said that because it's like, well, that's the obvious thing to do. Both those guys can work their ass off. People like Dustin. People like to boo Austin. How about most disappointing? I mean, I kind of went on my rant already about... The fact that Rick didn't walk away with the belt. I, I mean, 
I, I wish I could figure out a way of booking that match that still shows Flair won the match. Yeah. Like, legit, doesn't make Rick look bad, is what, I guess what I should say. That makes Flair not look bad, but Hogan keeps the belt. I wish yeah. I could figure out a way of doing that. But you can't do that with the knee angle, because the figure four. Everybody exactly. assumes that it's like, oh, the knee angle, that's outside of him already having a match with Flair that night. Flair being the heel that he is, you assume that it's Flair, not only because he got attacked, but because it was the knee. <laughs> so it's like, it just, it's, yeah. Even if they wanted to do, like, the masked man comes back out and hits Hogan again, and that's how Flair wins. What so, if, it, uh, so it doesn't put Flair over completely. I was going to say, what if Hogan had, like, a steel plate uh, in his knee in his knee pad? But even then, that's still really stupid. <laughs> but it's, that's just as dumb. But it is, it's like, that's some goofball shit. Some Memphis shit. Yeah, I don't know how to do it, uh, and that's the problem. Is that maybe if you yeah. if you can't do it, maybe it shouldn't have been done that way. There's other things you can do. Very true. A Hogan uh, Flair match is going to be watched, no matter what. You don't have to worry about that. What you should be worrying about is not making one of the greatest to ever do it look like a fucking dunce. Yeah, agreed. Real yeah. Inoki, that's disappointing. Yeah, had. had yeah, I had, seeing that one's I had like, um, expectations for that, and then they just started rolling around. I'm just like, what are we doing here? Yeah, it felt like a fucking, like, some, oh, what is it, like, Terry Gordy, Dr. Death shit, where it's just like, you guys are just grinding this to a halt. I still don't understand Dr. Death. One day, maybe I will. And you know, if it's not Flair and Hogan next, I think this crowd is completely, like, dead mm-hmm. at this point. Like, yeah. if, 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 if there was a... A, a match before Flair and Hogan, yeah. that match would have been killed as well by the crowd because Anoki and Regal just took, took everything yeah. out of this. Also, crowd. like Austin and Steamboat tore the house down. People were into it. Yeah. We got big chance for Steamboat. Like people were into it because they should have been because it was a lot of fast, well worked action that made sense. See, I keep thinking I'm forgetting a match, but there's only no. There's only there's a only five of them. <laughs> I even forgot one of the other the. The tag match with two guys that I love dearly, <laughs> and Terry Funk, who's I was like, oh, Terry Funk's in there, but and but yeah, I don't know. I just remember Dusty doing his Dusty stuff. How about best performer? I mean, knowing that Ricky hurt his back halfway through the match, I I think it's Ricky. I mean, I yeah, I Ricky and Austin for sure. I think that Flair and Hogan did a good job at what they did. I just didn't really care for what they did. But they did a good job interacting with each other and, like, you know, being believable and all of that. They're professionals. But that angle was stinky. Yeah, I mean, the Ricky, the Austin. I may even give Arn a little love there, too, because <laughs> he came down once and kicked some Rhodes' ass, and then he came down later and I love kicked in- some Hogan intense ass. Arn when Arn goes from just being, like, there sometimes Arn's just there and always good, and then sometimes like you can see that he's like these the, the the light bulbs on or like that switched over. That's why and, uh, he, I always love that. When the masked man ran down to the ring, I knew right away who it was just by, by how the run. He, he moved. Not yeah. just his yeah. run, but just his. I mean, when he started doing it, when ring. he started doing his stomps, I was like, yeah. oh yeah, that's definitely <laughs> Arn Anderson. How about most surprising? That I didn't get to cheer for an Anoki 
Regal match. match. Yeah, I was pumped when I when they announced it, and then it was just like sucked the air out of me immediately. Or at least you know about 20, 30 seconds in. <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely the most surprising thing. Honky Tonk Man being coming back. Yeah, I wasn't. Expecting I mean, literally, him to show he, up. he hasn't wrestled in four years, and he's kind of. Uh, I mean, because he's he's buddies with. I would say surprising Hogan, so. is like how. Considering like the Where all the, goes, honky goes. the backstage I, I, stuff looked good and the like same person. whatnot, couldn't believe how bad the the video was. It was so it's like the worst music video I may have ever seen in my life. It's because they don't have the. I mean, they've got the, the Ted Turner money, but they don't have the the McMahon class behind mm-hmm. their videos. No, they don't. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Woo! Lord help me. Something to wash away the taste of this boring-ass show. <laughs> so this week, the category is Music of the Mat. It's my music! Break it down! I'm going to play a theme song of a wrestler. You tell me who the wrestler is. Three points for a correct answer. Okay. Here we go. Uh-oh. <laughs> Michael? Uh, Hiroshi Hase. <laughs> that is correct. So, sorry, Shane, you had no Rigged. chance. <laughs> I mean, you are 40 points ahead, but uh, it is also one of my favorite themes and the theme of my favorite wrestling podcast. <laughs> Yeah, so, no uh, shout out to Super Jcast and Hiroshi Hase, a man I love. And it's like, oh man, like, one of the most triumphant and, like, energetic songs for a wrestler. It's so good. It's like, you know, Pomp and Circumstance and Spotch are great, but they're, like, somber. But this Hiroshi Hase song just, you know, it's gets so you good. going. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should play, I it, promise. Play, it, play it out at the end so we don't have to hear Spotch for the 15th time. I promise. I had that one planned way at the beginning of the year. <laughs> no worries. It I, wasn't a plan. I put one in the last time we had music that I thought you knew. So. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. Oh, is that that? Strike Force Girls. Yeah, the, oh, song oh, yeah. Nobody's ever heard. I can't believe the song was really good. I really liked the song a lot. And I it just doesn't we, go we were, for Strike Yeah, Force. I was a Strike Force fan, too. Yeah. But I mean, they only had like four matches, so yeah, it's hard to remember. Incredible T-shirt. It's like a white ringer tee with the Strike Force logo yep. on it. So as we're getting closer to the end, right now the scores are Shane with ninety-four points. My God, Michael with fifty-five. Ooh, <laughs> let's cut it under forty. <laughs> Next week, NWA ECW World Title Tournament. From what I understand, it's going to get extreme? I might say that. It's at least going to be Eastern. Mm. But it might get a little extreme. Like, is it, did, is, is it extreme did more than words? Yes. Okay, cool. I was about to make a joke, and I guess I ruined it. But by asking the question. Extreme also said, if you don't like what you see here, get the funk out. Oh, so. oh I don't remember that one. <laughs> But the music for this week's show is Exit Eat by Thomas O'Brien. And Flair won our main event, so we play Spotch Zarathustra. Never been so happy to hear that. By Strauss. (laughs) (laughs) 
If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. As Michael says... Five stars or no stars. That's right. Leave us those reviews. Let everyone know how much you like about the show. Or if you don't like the show. I mean, you can leave constructive criticism. The world is your oyster. Exactly. We'll, We'll take it. I mean, we like the five stars, but, you know. Or you can always email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, recipes. We're going to Philly next week, so for fuck's sake, give me some you hear recipes. That, you hear that excitement in Shane's voice? Yes. Philly. <laughs> They're more than just cheesesteaks. We're going to get to the point where it's just like you just bring like four-pack of Budweiser Tall Boys. Pretty much. <laughs> it's like, it's in the ECW arena. I saw a guy in Philly drinking a PBR one time. Oh, yeah. There's popcorn. There's some popcorn. At the... Oh, yeah. Pop, popcorn and a, and a six-pack of Budweiser would be very funny. <laughs> you can also hit us up on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Slide on into them DMs. Laters. Laters.